Do you need to have lived through the 1980s to appreciate just how awesome its music was? Of course not, and we'll prove it. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Hello and welcome to The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. My name is Will, and joining me is my friend and co-host, Ray. I, you know, I didn't clear that with you that I was going to say that, um, but it says it on our website now and oh. Facebook page and Twitter. So, yeah, Had I checked those things, I would know that. Yeah, if you knew how to do that. If that I could be, actually do that. It's probably better that you don't. Eh, it's not 80s technology, so I'm not good with it. <laughs> you know, that's you, taking uh, it a whole other level, living by 80s only technology. Could, could you uh, put that on a VHS for me and then I can check it out? Yeah, I was just going to ask you, like, what would that be to live your life using only technology available in the 80s? Well, you, you could have a, a computer. Of course, you could have a computer because personal computers were, you know, made more affordable and more available in the 1980s, of course. Okay, so in a moment, we're going to talk about what is this, what's this podcast all about? And our guest, Alex Ambrose, uh, better known as the Brunswick 80s guy, will be joining us in studio. But first, 80s news. Well, in order to find 80s news, I was pretty sure I was going to need to scour the internet to find stories, but no. Um, very quickly, within a, just the last few weeks, there were several, several stories that came out about some sort of new media that's related to something that uh, originated in the 1980s. Not going to talk about them all now. We could talk about some of them in future episodes, but I thought there were some of them that were particularly interesting to me. First up, the new release of the new Coke, which I guess is the old new Coke in a tie in with Stranger Things, Coke has had, this is about a week or so ago now, released some limited number of new Coke cans to some different cities. And um, some of them were actually even um, being distributed out of upside down Stranger Things uh, Coke machines. Do you remember having new Coke in the 80s? I have a very specific memory about it. I do remember new Coke, but I'm a Pepsi drinker. So, okay. I don't believe I actually actually ever drank a new Coke. Okay. Because I was pretty much exclusively Pepsi because all the rock stars drank Pepsi. <laughs> I see. So, you didn't drink Coke. Okay, so that's the end of that conversation. Well, I will tell but, you. <laughs> but you could tell me your story. Well, this is going to be a short story. I guess a couple of things come to mind. One, I recall, and I should have probably have looked this up, but I didn't. And maybe, maybe you'll remember at least this because you remember stuff from, from the 80s and, and other times pretty well. But I remember the new Coke being a gimmick. If, if In the 80s, one of the interesting things we had were the rock and roll and cola, cola wars, as Billy Joel sang. And so we had Coke and Pepsi going at it for to be number one. And we had these you know pretty interesting and aggressive at times marketing campaigns going after each other. I thought New Coke was a ploy to remind people that Coke is pretty awesome by giving them a really terrible version of Coke in the form of New Coke. I, had, I always just assumed that it was the same Coke. <laughs> just as they terrible just, as it always they is. They just gave it a different name for a marketing gimmick. Well, the one thing I remember about New Coke, and I thought about getting one for our show to try, and then I abandoned that. And I'm glad I did since you're a Pepsi drinker. probably wouldn't help the whole lot. 
But what I do remember is I thought it tasted as if they had added oregano to it. Wow. Like really something that didn't belong in a Coke. Well, you know what it originally had in it that didn't belong in a soft drink. <laughs> well, there you go. Yes. So, yeah, I think the oregano was probably a step up from that. Right, right. So people didn't uh, maybe feel as happy as having yes. a can full of cocaine, or <laughs> I guess a bottle full at the time. But at the time, you probably could have just injected it straight, and that was fine too. In fact, doctors, I think, at the time prescribed it. Yeah, they prescribed it. It was like uh, alcohol for the cowboys. Yeah. Oh, you got gout, drink some alcohol, pour a little bit on there. You'll be fine. So the other thing I wanted to mention, new 80s-wise, after Much Ado, and this is a project that had been been put off for the last two years, Back to the Future is being made into a musical. And it, <laughs> I could tell you're a fan, <laughs> judging by the expression on your face. It's going to be, it's going to come out in, it's going to first premiere in London next February. So in, in 2020, February. Will you be at first in line to see Back to the Future, the musical? Do you know who is writing it? I do. Actually, the originals are back. So Bob Gale, who wrote the Back to the Future movies, wrote the book for the musical. Um, and I believe Bob Zemeckis may have contributed to that. But in the very least, Bob Zemeckis is also a producer on the musical. And what's really interesting to me is that Alan Silvestri, the composer of the score for the Back to the Future movies, uh, is writing the music and has teamed up with a Glenn Ballard to write the music and lyrics together for the musical. And, and those two have worked together before and, and with Bob Zemeckis even. Um, I know they, they co-wrote uh, a song from the Polar Express together, Believe. So, yeah, you've got the originals uh, on working on the Back to the Future musical. For me, that makes a huge difference because if the originals are involved, it means they have some input and it'll be a lot like the original because those guys are all excellent writers anyways. I agree. And, and seeing they just have a poster out so far, but already it looks pretty cool. I'm like you, I've been very suspicious of turning, you know, taking some kind of 80s property and rebooting it or turning it to something else. But I don't know. Since the originals are involved, I think it could be cool. And I, I do enjoy a good musical every now and then. Yeah. You know, which one I just saw recently, which you would like, was School of Rock. Now, of course, that's, uh, you know, it's not set in the 80s, but the music is, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote it, but the music is Definitely an homage inspired by 80s uh, rock, especially, I would say, ACDC is a huge one, mm -hmm. um, where you can back-to-back -back play an ACDC song and a School of Rock song and know, eh, you know, he was... <laughs> and actually, Andrew Lloyd Webber is famous for ripping off other pieces of music and other rock music. And uh, I wish I could remember, Phantom of the Opera, so there's like a Led Zeppelin piece. Like, if you play them side by side, it's like, I think he worked Led Zeppelin into Phantom of the Opera. That's good. I'm hoping to see the Back to the Future musical, although when it comes here, it's probably going to cost a fortune and be impossible to see. And that's why I won't go. That's the reason I've never seen Hamilton, because of the cost. I was yeah. hoping they'd put it out on DVD so yeah. that I could just get it and watch it. That, yes, that would be awesome. And it's it was pretty cool, so it, hopefully more people would get to see it. Yeah, then I can just get a bunch of my friends to sit around and watch it and pretend we're in the theater. Yeah, so it right. feels the same. Someone can be coughing, because uh, that right. happens a lot in theater. Yeah, someone can sit in front of me wearing a big giant hat. <laughs> yeah, it's a stove, stovepipe hat. Stovepipe hat. Uh, someone can be asking to use the restroom at some yes. critical part of the play. One other item I wanted to talk to you about, The Dark Crystal is coming back uh, in the form of a prequel to uh, on Netflix. Now, Henson's company is involved. 
uh, and making it. And they just announced about a week or two ago that it's got a date, a premiere date set in August of this year. And they have a trailer. It looks pretty cool. And it looks very much like the original Dark Crystal from the 1980s. So I think there's enough to get excited, excited about there. I have not seen that trailer yet, but I did hear about it from you. Were you a fan of the original? I do like the original a lot. I think it was very well written, very well done. Uh, there's like, what, eight billion puppets in that thing? Yeah, yeah, something just shy of eight billion, yeah. Just just shy of that. So a lot of puppeteers. I remember being very creeped out by elements of it. The bad guys, I think the Skeksis, they were pretty creepy. There, it is a, it's a creepier, creepier kind of puppet movie. But I wasn't, I don't think I was very little or anything when it came out, so... Yeah, I'd have to look up when it came out, but I, I think that was mid '80s. Yeah, that's what I would say too. We were probably in our early teens. Yeah, we would have been teenagers, so yeah. still creepy, but not the kind of creepy that makes you like look under your bed when you go to sleep. Well, you were watching Friday the Thirteenth already. I was hiding my eyes, you yeah. know, at uh, emotional commercials. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd already I, the first movie I ever saw at the drive-in was Hills Have Eyes. So. And you were just a... I think I was five or six years old, so... Because that, that didn't even... As I say, that came out in the 70s, that's, right? Yeah. yeah, that's 70s. See, definitely be young. The first movie I remember seeing at a drive-in was Kentucky Fried Movie. And what I recall, and I don't know if wow. it's true, so it's a different kind of movie that I shouldn't wow. have seen. Like, you shouldn't have been seeing Hills at Eyes at five or six. I saw Kentucky Fried Movie at five or six, and two things stand out to me. I remember one, and this may not be true. Maybe my parents just pretended, but we were broke, so it could be very well true that they had my sister, my sister and I, they had us hide behind the seats when we got in because you paid, I thought you paid per person. I think you really pay per car. So maybe that's why I'm realizing now my parents were just pretending to smuggle us in. But I remember hiding behind seats under blankets and maybe because we were seeing an R movie and we were children, they just, my parents didn't want to be judged. Now, that's weird because I know there's a, a lot of 50s movies have the people hiding in the trunks and stuff, but I don't remember if it was still like that when we were kids because I know it's like car load now. Yeah, you're right. Maybe Maybe it was per person then. Yeah, that would make sense. It could have been. I mean, they didn't make you get in the trunk, so that was nice of them. Yes. That, yes. And knowing my parents, that was very generous. The uh, second thing I remember is, and it's actually the only thing I remember about Kentucky Fried movie was boobies. I'm pretty sure that was the first pair of naked breasts I'd seen in my life. And I remember feeling more embarrassed than, you know, titillated because, no pun intended, um, because I was just a child, you know, five or six years old. It was scandalous to me. Yeah, that's funny. I own that movie. <laughs> you watched it right before coming not, over. I have not seen it in a long time, but a friend of mine had it and said, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. So I'm just going to give it to you because I know you collect movies. So I threw up my collection and I have not watched it since. So how long has it been since you've seen the Kentucky Fried movie then? I would say I was probably, I don't know, okay, 10 or so 11, I mean. Oh, okay. So then you don't necessarily, do you remember the breasts then? Is I do. I do actually remember that it had boobies. So, yes, because okay. that's the selling point for that in Porky's. We're actually here promoting 70s movies with naked breasts. And, of course, unlike the, the decades in which we grew up, they're everywhere. Yes, because if you look at the 80s, that's where they upped the ante in the movies. Every horror movie had boobies. Every comedy had boobies. Yeah. And once again, the 80s proved we're going to take what you did and we're going to make it better. We're going to put And bigger. And bigger and more often. All right. Somehow we've diverged <laughs> into talking about naked, half-naked women, which was not my goal. No, the first but, but we did have to prove that the 80s were better than the 70s movies. <laughs> that's true. And actually, that segues nicely into uh, what I want to talk to you about. So that was 80s news. So moving on, let's let's talk about what 
this, in, in a sense, let's talk about what this podcast is about and is going to be about. And that'll lead us to talk about just some other things and probably more particular to the 80s. The podcast is an objective argument. And I say objective and I mean it. There's no, oh, you I can't, hear you. this is objective. I hear you. It's our plan to, as long as it takes, as many years or episodes, we are going to prove definitively that the 1980s was the best decade in terms of pop culture. We know politically, socially, it stunk somewhat, depending on your perspective. But overall, I mean, you know, middle class America kind of got screwed. But we're not talking about that. And we will talk about it if organically those things are related to some pop culture element. But otherwise, this is going to be an objective proof. And I think part of us advancing that the 80s were the best, your decade sucked, whoever you are, is that we have to knock down people's, you know, objections to us saying, you know, why the 80s wasn't good. And I think a big one, the biggest one for me that I get from younger folks, especially, is that I'm a middle-aged man who just harkens back to, you know, longs for my teenage years. And so it's just nostalgia. So I think very easily we can knock this down. And today, I think in part, and when we talk to our guests later, it's going to help us prove that you didn't even have to be alive in the 80s to appreciate how awesome it was. So this is true. It's bigger than nostalgia. So in thinking about this nostalgia thing, I was researching nostalgia, and a couple of things stand out to me. One, I found this definition from a neuropsychologist or a neuropsychiatrist saying that nostalgia is a yearning for an idealized past, a longing for a sanitized impression of the past. Um, so it's this fantasy that somehow things were better in the past. And I think we could, again, immediately say that's not what we're talking about here because we're talking about specific movies, TV shows that can be viewed today and still have contributed to our culture today or stand up just in them by themselves is great, detached from whatever, you know, idealized vision we have of our... Yeah. I wouldn't say we look at the 80s as a nostalgic time period because we don't idealize it. We have the good and the bad from the 80s that we remember. Whereas like if we think about the 50s, we remember cars and sock hops and you know, right. fights in the alley between the thug kids and the jocks and stuff like that. But we don't know, we don't add the bad stuff to the 50s when we think about it. Or the 60s, and there's some bad stuff in the 60s too, but we, we just idealize those time periods. But with the 80s, we don't really idealize it because we remember the bad parts, like um, the drugs and all that stuff. It's a part of the 80s. But it's the pop culture from the 80s that separates it from everything else. Right. And I'm sure we'll talk about this in future episodes when we talk about specific media, but the pop culture was born out of what you're talking about. So the fact that we had economic strife and just really change over in politics and a drug culture and, uh, you know, poor people got poor, that, that birthed so much of the pop culture that we're talking about that is objectively awesome. Yeah, I agree. And I think what we're saying is we don't feel nostalgic for the 80s. We love those movies, TV shows, etc. But we don't wander around saying, you know, or maybe you do. But it, so, okay, that, that's a question. Apart <laughs> from the movies, do you find yourself yearning for, you know, when I was in high school, life was so much easier? Because that's an aspect of nostalgia that's most, I guess, spoken of when people think about why they're you know, longing for their pasts. Hmm, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't, for me, I don't, I don't think so. I don't really think so either. I mean, there's, 
I guess there's certain moments, I think, like we've shared stories about, it was really awesome when this happened, but I don't think I long to go back there necessarily. <laughs> there was enough yeah. other challenges too that... Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know anyone who's psychotic enough to want to go back to high school in any decade that they grew up in. <laughs> well, you know, you think about, you know, uh, an 80s song, Glory Days, which, you know, is that idea, I think. You know, it's so funny. A lot of Bruce Springsteen, song, Springsteen songs, you, you know the name and some of the words, then you actually sit there and read all the lyrics. You're like, wow, this is not the uplifting, th- you know, th- anthem I thought it was. Like uh, Born in the USA, for example, you know, is a good one. Or Born to Run. But Glory Days is that idea about hearkening back where people do. Maybe it's different with our generation that, you know, I wish, you know, things could be, be like um, they were. And, and maybe you're right. There's a difference between prior generations. Because my dad talks about, oh, you know, and older folks talk about the 50s and say, oh, it'd be great if this were more like then. But yeah, I don't find myself saying that. No, I don't. I don't really either because I do enjoy the computer <laughs> when I do play with it. You don't know how to and find our website or Facebook page, but no. But I can do my fantasy sports and stuff on it pretty fine. And back in the eighties, you had to do all that on paper. So right. And you know, I'm glad you said. And in some episode, we'll talk about fantasy uh, sports since that was born in the eighties yep. as well. So I think what, for us, and I think like other folks I know that would consider themselves 80s kids, our appreciation for pop culture is not about we had less responsibility when these movies came out or films or, or, or rather TV shows, songs, etc. It's that they were awesome and we could listen to them now and they're still awesome. Yes, I think it's we don't have a desire to go back there. We can still enjoy it now and live in now but enjoy those things from the 80s without having to go, oh, I wish it was, you know, the glory days again. <laughs> that sounds just like my dad. You know, I, I think also a difference might be, and, you know, again, a lot of these things I'm teasing because I know we're going to talk about them in future episodes. But I think also a distinction for us maybe, and maybe different than any generation prior, is that we didn't have to leave the 80s in a sense, because at the same time that all this awesome pop culture was being born, the technology to support it was too. So very quickly before the 80s ended, we could carry around, you know, a CD worth of albums or, you know, and even before that, a cassette tape, you know, worth of music instead of vinyl or eight tracks, which made it impractical in the past. We could watch um, Ghostbusters. I don't remember how long it was before movies came out on tape. It's like a year or two, maybe. It's, it was a lot longer than it is now. But you could watch those then at home over and over again. And, you know, every couple of years, just revisit those things. They never had to leave you. So in a sense, maybe we don't harken back for even the, that era because it's been with us all this time. Oh, that's a good point. Thank you. That's a very good point. And now because... we're going to end the podcast right there. <laughs> Roll the credits. Yeah, because uh, we had the ability to watch Ghostbusters over and over and over, whereas our parents' generation did not have that ability. Right. If you didn't catch it in the theater, you had to wait till they put it on TV right. on one of the three channels <laughs> yes. with commercials and all the bad words and everything else cut out. Right, you're right. It wasn't even exactly how you remember it then. Along those same lines, it wasn't until the 1980s, I, I want to say, I mean, there were certain te- the technology prior to that. But it wasn't as pervasive as affordable, and it was expensive at first, but to have, you know, VHS or beta before that, where even our parents then started being able to relive some of the things from their past with having better access to, um, you know, music of theirs on CDs and and movies on tape, etc., where 
they had before that happened though, yeah, they had that gap, but you know, at least a couple of decades were having that at their fingertips. Yeah, they're trying to remember things like we're talking about the Kentucky Fried movie. We're trying to remember what it was from watching it one time. Yes. That's what they did with everything. <laughs> so And only remember the naked breasts of uh, every fifties movie that came out. How many naked breasts they would remember that probably because there's probably none. Yes. Did you see her knee? Uh, <laughs> or it was a French, it was probably a foreign film. That's what you had to watch <laughs> back then. I read something else interesting um, in a different article that talked about how, um, and maybe it's the same article, referring to how, yeah, it's the same article, referring to how what we're remembering is not specific memories, but an emotional state. And this was interesting to me because the, the author, Lauren Martin, and this is an article from 2014, The Science Behind Nostalgia and Why We're So Obsessed with the Past, but she referred to how it sounds to her like we have horcruxes, like in Harry Potter sense, where we have objects that are imbued with this certain emotion from the past. And it made me think of, you know, I still have my Star Wars action figures from, you know, I have every single figure I ever was given or purchased since the movie came out. And... For me, I probably kept those initially because of that idea that uh, had some kind of association, but it's been years. I don't see those or touch those or play with my children with them and recall some kind of emotional feeling. Again, it's just I recall the film or we have fun playing at that moment. So maybe, again, I'm taking issue with, at least for, for me and maybe our generation, that idea that we necessarily have emotions wrapped up in objects and again not just a connection to the pop that's culture a, which was awesome that's a very interesting thing because the uh, the rock'em sock'em robots came back out and they said the biggest sellers were the older generation that had played them as a kid hmm. not because they wanted to play it they just wanted to own it again and put their little dirty fingers on the the buttons and punch each other in the head you know so yeah there is a connection to that good feeling like dungeons and dragons is a big one for me I played it as a kid, and that carried that's carried over my whole life. So I have every book I've ever bought. I've never got rid of anything I've ever purchased for the game. Yeah, and it makes me think of your VHS tapes, too. Yeah. I don't know that you've had those as long as... I don't know how many of those you had since they you first got them, you know, as a young adult. Or... Well, that was a snowball effect that uh, people found out that uh, I liked VHS. And before I knew it, I had 600 of them <laughs> in my basement. <laughs> So eventually I had my wife said, you got to get rid of these things. They're everywhere. So we've cut that back to the rarest of the the bestest ones that I've kept because there's certain ones I'm just not getting rid of. And, you know, your tape collection reminds me of some another phenomenon. And and, and this will tie into our, our, our guest when he arrives, Alex Ambrose. So one of the other theories about why the 80s is popular right now is folks our age, people in their 30s and 40s, are now the consumers of products. You know, we've got the money to spend. And we're also the position, people in positions of power to decide what gets made. So greenlighting a particular movie or a TV show or creating one, writing one, et cetera, you're creating something that you like. So you're going to create something from your generation again because that hearkening back. And maybe for some of those folks, it's about nostalgia. So it is about that. I miss that feeling, you know, and it's not about the, a specific pop culture piece, which is what we're focusing on with this podcast. But the Duffer brothers who did uh, Stranger Things – they're, they weren't alive during the 80s, I'm pretty sure. And when asked about, well, how did you become in love with this? It was because of watching movies on VHS tape. They said that's the first films they recall seeing were, you know, watching old films on on, on tapes. That's what was around their house. And um, so there is this phenomenon about, of, um, I'm trying to remember how it was described, but like this a sort of a second generation, again, they, they may see nostalgia, although we're talking 
I think we've established clearly, I hope, fingers crossed, that when we're talking about nostalgia as a feeling, sure, that exists. We're, what we're saying earlier is that nostalgia is not the reason that pop culture in the 80s was awesome, or we think it's awesome. It just was awesome, and we're going to continue to prove that. Anyway, I think it's interesting that, you know, there's other generations like the gentleman we're going to talk to in a little bit here and friends we have that inherited their love of this or knowledge of the pop culture from an older brother or father. I think, I want to say, it's because it was so awesome that they fell in love with those films, etc. Not because they were kids during that time, because they weren't. Well, they were kids when they watched the tapes. They weren't kids when they came out, I guess. Yeah, well, there's plenty of adults that are just now watching 80s movies that are millennials, and I'm sure they love them. How could they not? Yeah. Because they are awesome. Well, that segues nicely into uh, speaking with our first guest. So in a moment, we'll be right back with Alex Ambrose, better known as the Brunswick 80s guy. Joining us now in the studios is a young gentleman, young relative to us because we're middle-aged idiots, um, who's better known as the Brunswick 80s guy, although this is not a moniker we've, we've found out he gave to himself, uh, but he is going to be exhibit A in our argument that you don't even have to be have been alive during the 1980s to know how awesome it was. Please welcome Alex Ambrose. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us, Alex. Of course. Thanks for having me. This is, I mean, we couldn't, so I, sh- we, I should say that you... You're a man who needs no introduction in Brunswick, Ohio. But for everybody else, please, if, if you don't know Alex, Google him or check out our website because not only does Alex have a great passion for hair metal, and my understanding is you listen to it wherever you go. Oh, yeah, all the time. But he's a living embodiment of it because he looks like he stepped out of a DeLorean from 1985 <laughs> of some uh, of, a, of a hair metal concert. Yep, we got the big hair, the leggings, uh, cut-off band shirts, you name it, got boots, been wearing gloves for so long. Oh, man. I've been dressing pretty much the same for, ooh, about eight years now. I've been teasing my hair for about 11 years. What I found most impressive was seeing one of your interviews where you actually fashion your own metal. Oh, yeah. I make armor, too. Oh, I have a passion for 80s hair metal, and I have a passion for ancient history, medieval and ancient history. So it's just metal generally, then. 80s hair metal. Yeah, and metal on metal. Actual metal. It's what I crave. Ah. It's almost like Anvil said something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so just to establish. I got, I got that. Got <laughs> I got that. I think Alex got it too. I don't know if you're applying here. That maybe my humor is only for older folks. To dispense with some of the more mundane questions, just for folks who don't know, and you know, Ray and I know because um, we certainly know of you and your reputation. But so I don't know if you mind me saying that you're, let's say you're a man in your 20s. Yep, I am 27 currently. Okay, so you weren't even born yet. Nope, in 1992. The 80s. So, how does a person who wasn't even alive in the 1980s wind up with such an interest and passion for 1980s hair metal. All right, where do I start? Well, I grew up listening to a lot of 98.5, So these are local stations that yeah, played that kind mostly of Mostly classic rock, hard rock, mostly Def Leppard too. Uh, my dad was the one that listened to all this classic rock and stuff like that. He was really into Def Leppard, and then I started getting into them, and that's kind of where it started. Def Leppard got me into 80s metal or 80s rock and roll, pretty much 80s music, and then Europe uh, got me. I credit them for getting me into hair metal. And after them, there was Dokken, Great White, Striper. It just exploded from there. You know, my actual—you don't know this—the very first rock and roll cassette, cassette I had it on cassette was Def Leppard. Nice. And I want to say it was 
Hysteria. No. Was Hysteria the first one? No. Their Pir- first, no, was, their first was, one was um, On uh, Through the Night. Yeah, okay. you got but, High and Dry. Yeah, High, oh, and, dry. High and Dry was the High and Dry is my favorite. I had that poster, too. It was like a oh, guy yeah. diving yeah. into an empty pool. <laughs> yeah, that's a good poster. Yeah. I, I think the tape was actually given to me in seventh grade by a girl I liked. <laughs> that may or may not be wrong. I, Jeez. And I gave her a, a, a teddy bear with a little perfume bottle. Well, you got the good end of that. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, if she's listening, which she probably isn't, my mom picked out the teddy bear and perfume bottle. I can say that now. So among everything that you could have liked, why hair metal? I mean, sure, there's lots of other stations that I play I don't know. Music. I've listened to all sorts of music. My friends have listened to so many different kinds of music, and this is just what clicked with me. I don't listen to anything else, just mostly hair metal and a little bit of hard rock. And I noticed that, and Ray, you're, you're my expert on all things 80s rock and roll, um, that you did draw a distinction between hair metal and yeah, other types of I do. metal. Yeah, mostly it's really just the way they dress. Because basically it's all just power rock. You can also just clump it all into there. But I like the term hair metal just because it's kind of feels right. A lot of people from the 80s don't like that term, like the musicians. But it's like a derogatory. Yeah. It's like, oh, why are we just based on how we looked? But I don't see it that way. And for people that don't know, because... Um, a, a lot of folks, most folks in the 80s that did rock and roll had long hair, mm-hmm. but they would not necessarily be hair metal. Yeah. Like folks in Metallica, long hair, hair metal? Yeah. No. If you no. teased it up, that, and <laughs> it, you have to have the right sound to it also. And they, and they, for the most part, didn't seem like they thought too much about what they wore so much as they... No. It was kind of more what the industry was like wanting them to do, what it seems like, because uh, that's what was big at the time. Like nowadays with radio, everybody has to try to fit into the same mold in order to get on the radio to be popular. Right. So Ray and I were talking earlier about nostalgia because a lot of folks say that we're just a couple of middle-aged folks who love the 80s because we're nostalgic. And by nostalgic meaning we have this yearning for an earlier time. Yeah. Life was simpler and we didn't have a mortgage payment. And our argument, the thesis of this podcast, and we'll, go, we'll do as many episodes as necessary until this is finally settled, is that the music, the movies of the 80s were just awesome, period. You don't have to have lived it. You don't have to have, um, you know, all you have to do is hear it to, to otherwise appreciate it. Um, so, but thinking of that, nostalgia we also talked about is usually folks in their 30s start getting nostalgic for their teen years. Yeah. And the, the culture of that time. So what are, you, what are your peers going to yearn for? Because I honestly think after the 1980s, there's a sharp drop off in pop culture like yeah. phenomenon because everybody started getting more angsty and teenage hype and stuff like that. That's when grunge yeah. started taking off, and it was like, oh, I want to rebel against everyone. And it's like, well, we're going to be in our 30s soon, and then really, they're. I mean, a lot of I know a lot of guys that still listen to 90s music and stuff like that. Like all my old friends, they were definitely into alternative and grunge and stuff like that. Uh, so your peers, that that's when when they are in their thirties and have children and paying mortgages, are going to think I belong for the days of Pearl Jam when I was my first love. And who knows what would happen with them? Because <laughs> you know, honestly, for me and folk, younger folks say to us, you know, eighties. I can't think of, I can't imagine anybody growing up in the two thousands, twenty ten. What what is that even? What it seems like this. The age of technology. I guess, but yeah, and other than that, but pop culture, it's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm old when I say this, but I think it's objectively true. The music's in, in, since the 80s just took a sharp oh, yeah. decline. I mean, in my opinion, yeah, but like they lost their, what's the, they muddied up the genres a lot, in my opinion. Like 
it they started not focusing so much on their looks, just more like the music, which I mean, which can be a good thing. But at the same time, it's like they have no style. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but sorry. <laughs> well, and is it that style on the outside is either reflective of the style they have musically or maybe even vice versa, but that there is something about someone's style, like your style. I think it goes hand in hand, in my opinion. I mean, I dress like this because I think it's awesome because this is the type of music I love. I, I think I look awesome, in my opinion. I like waking up in the morning, looking in the mirror and be like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> but it gives me a good boost. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to imagine liking music that is just plain, like plain style clothes, just walking around, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. So is, is there even, we, Ray and I talked about this and I don't know because I, I feel like I stopped listening to new music after 1992 because some of it's still a little 80s-ish. Mm-hmm. I know some songs, but what is happening in rock and roll today? Is there even, I know death metal and some other variations are really popular where they, men sound like dogs growling when they sing. Is that what hair metal is become or not so not quite i mean uh there's definitely still bands around that do like that play my kind of music they don't really get to take off anywhere near like they used to but uh there's definitely bands around uh that are unknown mostly in the europe area um that still play and tour and things like that and i've i have music that even came out in like early 2000s mid 90s that it's it's so 80s reminiscent and i love it still uh so it's really it's just you gotta find these bands to listen to. I see. And, and it's different. Finding them today is obviously different than we did in the 80s. Because yeah, it's a lot easier nowadays. It, 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 you say that, and yet I think, is it harder in a sense that we had two stations maybe? Or like you were talking about even the three you know local stations where you could find music. It wasn't all that different when they played it first. Um, yeah. I'm from the East well, Coast, but there was one or here, two rock stations. You had to go out to a record store and thumb through albums and cassettes and look for a band. Now... Like he's saying, I can go on YouTube and find Crazy Licks in 10 seconds or Striker or any of these bands. And they're playing hair metal now, but like he said, they're all European bands. Mm -hmm. But they have the same style and flavor, and they make funny videos. Yeah, Wigwam's a a good (laughs) band, too. They're they're newer, too. Yeah, it's still around. But the best bands still came out of the 80s. Oh, yeah. And are folks still keeping up? You're talking about only liking bands that have style on the outside, too. Are there folks that – I know of certain, like, I don't know, parody bands that sort of do that and some other bands that aren't parodies but they seem like parodies where they they put costumes on specifically as a – it seems more gimmicky than a lifestyle. Yeah. I I, I see what you're doing there. I I agree with that. But at the same time, it's also entertaining for the crowd. I mean, you see these – Big, massive guys. It's like all these crazy costumes. Like, that's cool. I mean, that's how Kiss really started, too. I mean, when you think about it, they were pretty out there with their stuff. Right. And so do you actually play an instrument? I have been playing drums for, I believe, 13 years. Oh, wow. uh, And I'm mediocre at guitar and bass. I mean, I could, like, make my own songs, but I could horribly piece together a guitar solo. But, yeah. And are you currently playing with a band? Or no, what? not currently. I haven't been a band in, ooh, seven years, I think. So you're yeah. available then. I am available. <laughs> Ray and I keep threatening to form an 80s band, 80s oh, cover band. Yeah. I, don't, we, I don't know if you could do the hair metal voice or not. Well, I'd have to switch to you, bass. You sing it all. You didn't mention singing. <laughs> I do backup vocals, but I don't, okay. I, I don't think I'm a good singer. Yes, I can, I can tear up some 80s bass lines. Boom, boom, boom. I could take care of the <laughs> Europe keyboards. I got that covered. 
Right? That's Europe, true. Europe is the one that had the keyboards, right? Yeah. Okay. That's like Final Countdown. Yeah, yeah. that's their most popular song. Of course, it's now fi- it's now been popularized in Arrested Development in the early 2000s and today because the, the character of Job, the magician, plays the Final Countdown whenever he does a magic show. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, in any case, hey, so we this show is called The Idiots <laughs> um, because that's what we are, a couple of idiots defending the 1980s. And, oh, perfect. But we believe that anybody can be an idiot. Um, it's just that you appreciate the love of it. So to to pr- we know we know. Look offhand, we know that you are certainly worthy living the eighties lifestyle. But Ray Ray wants to test your knowledge. Yes, sir. Oh boy, here we go. At some right. hair metal songs. These are huge hair metal songs from the eighties. I have right. partial lyrics for you. By huge, he's suggesting he should be a slam dunk. Yeah, this should be easy for a I don't, man I don't of his caliber. I'm actually more into what I, I call them B-list bands. I mean, I know that yes, popular I know. A-list bands. You like bands. Treat and yes, those bands, yes. yes. I have no idea who that <laughs> You have is. no idea what we're talking See, I can about. Be an, you know, the flip side is you can be an idiot and not know everything of the 80s. It's that what you do know from the 80s, you know is That's awesome. the diet part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I told you, that's why I brought him here, because I know what he's talking about. All right, so here we go. Question number one. You got to get eight of these right. There's oh, only ten. All right, so that's eighty percent. Ooh, oh. he knows math too. <laughs> yes. All right, we're gonna start with this one. You, you make my life complete. You give me all I need. Striper. There you go. Now Ray, Ray was a little worried he might start singing. Yeah, I was. Wait, worried. do I need the song? Yeah, you know what it is. Yeah, I, I have to think the name real quick. Uh, you help me um, through and through. Oh, oh, always there for you. Right? Yeah. Right. Calling on you. Calling on you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's. But you got it. Okay, you know it's true. A little bit. My bad. All right. Here we go. Number two. Pictures of you. Oh, they're still on my mind. You had this smile that could ooh, light up ooh, the world. Uh, now, when it rains, uh, it seems the sun oh will God. never shine. I know what this is. And I drive. <laughs> yes. Down. It's slaughter. Oh my there you God. Go. That took too long. Yeah, he's he's a little nervous, you know. No, well, he's never been on our kind of stupid show before, so. Flight of the Angels. No one probably it's, drags questions out and it's, threatens <laughs> his 80s. Uh, I don't know any of these. So. I know you don't. All right, here we go. So if you go away, I know that I will follow, because there's a place inside my heart that tells me, hold out, hold out, hold out, baby. I don't think I know this one. Ooh. Can you phone a friend? I'm looking at Nicole, <laughs> who's in the studio here with us. My girlfriend's no, here, she's Nicole. She's that. she's not quite into my kind of music. She's more into, not yet. Yeah, she's more into Pink Floyd, Eagles. What else? Three Days Grace. Yeah, like grunge. Like I'm definitely more nineties. Yeah, okay. you've got the grunge shirt tied around your waist, even. Yeah, yes. I'm definitely more nineties style. He's eighties. I'm right in between her styles: seventies mixed with nineties. <laughs> I'm right in the middle. All right, that's White Lion. White Lion is it? What song? It's wait. Wait, oh my God, I know that song. That, wow, that's you. sad. I these used to listen sh- to that one so I much. Know. These are huge hits from oh, the this 80s. Is horrible. So do, you, do you agree that these are all hair metal bands yeah. so far? Yeah. Striper, Slaughter, White yep. Lion? All right, here we go. Got a picture of your house and you're standing by the door. Oh, I know Warrant. So. There you go. Oh, geez, I don't know that one. I thought I knew that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, totally, I'm glad you didn't ask me. <laughs> all right, I'm always working, slaving every day. Got to get a the, break. Poison. I never thought you'd hurt me. I guess you live and learn that when you're playing with fire, you're bound to get burned. You know, it'd I've been through singing. Right, <laughs> Come on, Ray. If you want right, to attempt let me, that, let me, let me, let me I attempt this. I get my this. keyboard out. I never thought you'd hurt me. I guess you live and learn that when you're playing oh, with you're fire, you're burned. bound this to is, get um, burned. This is, oh my God, Firehouse. Uh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> it helps listening yeah, to it. Yeah, it. it does. Oh, this is a good one. 
Why, baby, why did you make me let you go and leave you so lonely? Why, baby, why did you have to hold on, you know? This sounds so familiar. I blame Ray. He's doing a terrible baby, job. why did you make me... Dokken! There you go. Ah. Okay, let's see what we got here. Wait, two more questions shot. Just three, three questions. So left. one more question and he's golden. Yeah. This one he should... I think you might actually get this one. Mm. You know I'm a dreamer, but my heart's a gold. Oh, I wonder. You could this be a colorful a people? Hmm. <laughs> Only it's... I could think you know, it's a Motley crew. Oh, my gosh. Let's finish it off. Once again, I'm glad you didn't ask me, because I recognized this song. I could <laughs> sing it. I had no idea it was Motley Crue. <laughs> All right. She's Got a Smile, It Seems to Me, Reminds Me of Childhood Memories. Uh, I do know that one. It's Guns N' Roses. Yep. Yeah. Is that and Guns N' Roses' hair they, metal? It, it's hard to say. They they're float. Like, they're a floater. Yeah. They're Axel like, seems like it, but maybe the... They're, uh, they're, they're in that they're like faster a, pussy category, yeah, guns yeah, category. Exactly. They're more like sleaze rock. Yes. They, I, they, they drift in and out because yeah. they, they like their power ballads. I feel like originally someone put that hat on Slash, probably, and he just <laughs> stuck with it. You're like, I have no idea. Like a stylist was like, mm, probably. Axel looks awesome. Anyone got a stove like, um, hat? It's like the sunglasses in that thing you do. They just stuck them on them and said, there's shades now. <laughs> yeah. Here's said, your look. You're Slash. Deal with Shut it. up and deal with it. Take those off and you're nobody. <laughs> All right. Last one. 100%. I don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. Oh, geez. It's almost like that song. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> um, I do know that song. White Snake. There you yeah. go. Piece of cake. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Wonderful. 100%. I mean, you expect, well, it can't be more of an I, idiot I, than that. I didn't expect anything less. The, the last song reminds me that, and I don't know if this is your experience, uh, either of you, Nicole's experience, that when I was in high school, did you see you were listening to this music in high school? Oh, yeah. Okay. So when I was in high school, and that... Um, that last song, White Snake, reminds me is that a lot of the songs for me, um, and you can verify this is true or not, you think the lyrics are about whatever experience you're having, right? You find the metaphors in there applied oh, yeah. to your life mm-hmm. somehow. So I remember that song specifically, you know, being like, you know, that's my, my tortured romantic life. <laughs> they're singing about me. So it's interesting that it's poetry, obviously. Ultimately. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's timeless in that sense. But um, About 90% of the music I listen to is about a girl. And that's what I always think about when I listen to music, because I'm cheesy like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, again, in high school in particular, obviously you're older than, older now, but that's so much of what we're thinking about at the time. And mm-hmm. so a lot of it is that, um, um, and, then, and Ray and I were talking about earlier that we think in the 80s, it was probably the first generation where we had the technology to keep living and reliving our, the things we loved as youths going forward you know you got cds now you got cassette tapes so um you know dvds well dvds are in the 90s but you've got uh, vhs tapes where suddenly it never has to leave you and even more for your generation now than anything like it it makes you remind me the fact that you love that music in high school and even now you're still living it because it's easy part of it's it's easy Mm -hmm. you can have it on your phone or whatever the best part about the 80s is all the good stuff's already out i just have to find it i don't have to wait (laughs) so are you still discovering new bands oh it's rare but yeah oh there's a lot of songs i don't know that i'll find i'll be like "Ooh, i like this like treat they're oh man i consider them a c-list band because they're really unknown but treat treat is oh man I got so into them. Uh, I first only knew one song. I'm like, okay, I kind of like this. I'm gonna look a little yeah, bit more. I know why he likes them. And more because they remind him of Europe a little bit. Yeah, they're kind. I, I consider them more like a firehouse mixed mm-hmm. with yeah, a little bit of Europe a autograph. Europe. Yeah. And their older stuff's kind of dockin'y. Mm-hmm. 
But, oh, man, Treat, treat I just got so heavily into. So how do you find new music? Is it simply Googling hair metal bands? <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> then YouTube links to other YouTube links and video to I video. And we like, thought you might also like Treat. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's kind of how it worked. But uh, so, It's super easy. What do your peers think? Do you, um, do you, like my friends and stuff like that? Yeah. And I, and I think because it, it seems like in many regards, society today is much more accepting of oh, yeah. self-expression. But it also depends on which city you go to. Like Brunswick, I love Brunswick. They got used to me, though. Like it used to not be so good. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get made fun of as much as I do. I haven't anything, had anything thrown at me in a long time. Oh, boy. Yeah, I've had drinks thrown at me, cigarettes flicked at me, you name it. Uh, anyways... Uh, so really it's, it's based on city to city. What I find is the more I get towards Cleveland, the more guys make fun of me. And the more I get towards like suburby country area, the more girls make fun of me, but <laughs> it's, it's just weird. <laughs> you know, I, I was in Brunswick earlier today in the giant Eagle on center road. And there was a gentleman in there who looked like he, he was older, probably our age in the late forties, but he looked like he'd been dressing the same way since the eighties. I've known some guys that are older with longer hair, yeah. And I was thinking, is it maybe it's just a Brunswick thing? Because I know we were talking to you today, and I thought maybe it's just this sort of time capsule. <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah, Brunswick. <laughs> we we haven't left the eighties. Yes, <laughs> Brunswick loves the eighties. I grew up in Brunswick, so um, it just we, the, the Kmart. You can still go on there and hear the same songs that were oh, playing in the eighties. That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> The Sound of Music, the store we all went oh, yeah. to growing up. Uh, Is it, it still there? It just closed. Mm-hmm. It finally closed. But yeah, Brunswick got a big chunk <laughs> I, of the hair metal and thrash I metal I might have something to do with that. <laughs> yeah. So again, so this is Alex Ambrose, but he's known as the Brunswick 80s guy. And you didn't name yourself that. No. Uh, oh, man. It, okay. Uh, about, it was around 2012. Uh, I started walking around more because a bunch of stuff happened in my life. Anyway, so I just wanted to listen to music to get away from everything. And next thing I know, somebody makes a Facebook page, like a Facebook like page titled The Brunswick 80s Guy. And I'm like, okay, what's this? Started looking into it. I clicked like on it. And then people started sharing it around so much. Next thing I know, it's getting thousands of likes. I'm getting asked to be on uh, small shows. I was on Channel 5 once. I've been in like the newspaper, I think, four or five times. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. <laughs> It's awesome, but it's crazy. So did you know it was about you before you Yeah, I mean, it was it? pictures of me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first clue? <laughs> so did you, was it an insult at first? Refer- no, I was like, holy crap, is this really happening? Like, I, I, I was kind of flattered with it because it didn't seem like it was insulting at all. The way they were portraying it or anything like that, thankfully, it wasn't bad. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. In my understanding, it was it was a lot like Bigfoot sightings at first. <laughs> yes, yes, it where was. Where it was like, does he really exist? And mm-hmm. people were, they were oh. crowdsourcing information about the Brunswick 80s guy <laughs> with various spottings. Mm-hmm. But we can confirm 100% that he is real. Uh, the only other thing I got to add is I ne- never got to be on Channel 5, and I used to walk around Brunswick looking like that all the time. So. <laughs> well, again, thanks, Alex. Of we course. Thank you for having me. for having you here. Okay, Ray, so that's, that's the end of... An episode. And I think beyond the shadow of a doubt, he has proven that you don't have to be born in the 80s to love the music. I couldn't find a 90s Brunswick guy or a 2000s Brunswick <laughs> guy. So, right, yep. so that'll do it for us today. I think that does it. I think, I think we've done what we set out to do today. Yeah, and we'll continue to do it. We'll talk to you again next time on The Idiots. See ya. See ya.